Grace and peace is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Being devoted to anyone or anything in a fierce way is very, very personal. In fact, most people that are on the outside of any kind of fierce devotion will think it's kind of crazy. My wife and I were privileged to raise four children. The oldest one, when he was two and a half, went with us to a birthday party that was about five miles away. We were there most of the evening. During the day before we went, he had found a stick in the backyard that became, I don't know if you know much about boys and rocks and sticks, but they become very devoted to some of the silliest little things that was sort of in the shape of a pistol. We wouldn't let him have toy guns at that age, but uh, he just made his own. And uh, when he went to the party, he took it with him and they played cowboys and Indians for the couple hours that we were there. And we left and we went home and it was dark and we were five miles away from the party at home and it was time to go to bed and he couldn't find the stick. And he pitched a fit and he would not be consoled. And my wife said, what are we going to do? And I felt so strongly for my son. I said, I'm getting in the car. I did this. I'm embarrassed at this age of looking back. And I'm going over there to get that stick. So way before cell phones, I called over their house and said, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but our son left a stick at your house. And the host said, a stick? You're coming over for a stick? Yeah, if you can find it, it's probably around the patio in your backyard. Their backyard wasn't very big. And they went out and said, well, there's, there's a little one that couldn't take a picture of it and send it to me. Nothing to that. Anyway, I went over there, got the stick, brought it home, and he held it tightly and fell fast asleep. And I thought, man, am I embarrassed because now anyone that they know are going to tell, they're going to tell, look at the devotion this guy had to this kid that, he, you know, most people just say, tell him to go to bed. No, I went and got the stick. It's criticized. But you know, today, as, as a father, I still do feel kind of like okay with it because I loved him and I showed my love for him. And I don't care what you think. <laughs> That's the way Mary was, but in a much grander scale. In John chapter 12, when we see her a few days before Passover, she gets it. She gets some things about Jesus that even... All of the disciples, including Peter, James, and John, did not quite fathom yet. She gets it, what Jesus is all about. And she has a fiercely personal family-type relationship with Jesus. And she was overwhelmed because she knew the hour was upon them. Jesus had been saying things like, Luke chapter 9, we're going down to Jerusalem and this time I'm going to die. Now, she lived outside of Jerusalem, just a couple of miles at Bethany. And uh, he had been telling his disciples that he was going to go down there and be handed over to the Romans and be crucified, and that he would die. She believed him. Let's see what she did. Let's see how she gets criticized, and let's talk about this fierce devotion that he had for her, and that she knew he had, and that she had for him. So we'll go to John chapter 12 in your Bible And just follow along. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. 
Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume she had poured, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag for the group, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus said. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. He was only a few days away from the cross, and Mary knew that, and she believed it. But the disciples, even the night before, they were still kind of like, where are you going to go? Why are you going to do that? Show us the way, right? But not Mary. Remember in Luke chapter 10, which was maybe in the middle of those three years, like, like our, our Mary tonight told us, remember how Jesus talked in that same den? He sat and taught. And Martha was busy in the kitchen, just like she is here serving. By the way, I'll, t I'll show you in a minute. Martha was a, a woman of deep faith. She's serving. Mary's sitting at his feet. This is earlier. And Jesus is teaching. It does not say, it's only a very short portion of the Bible, what he taught. But if you look at everything he was saying throughout his three-year ministry, you can bet that our Savior didn't hide things from Mary and the rest. In John chapter 3, which is rather early in his ministry, he said to Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish. And in that same conversation said the son of man is going to be what? Lifted up, which in all Jewish talk was crucifixion. Everybody knew that. He'd been saying, as I mentioned before, freely to his disciples for about two or three months, I'm going to Jerusalem and going to die and rise again on the third day. Mary knew. She'd been thinking about it for a really long time. She knew. She knew that Jesus had come to die, and she knew that why he had come to die. When, when Mary brought that perfume in, as Bobby so clearly pointed out, it was fiercely personal between her and Jesus. She didn't care what anybody else thought. In fact, as far as she was concerned, nobody else really was in the room. Because she was there to, to show Jesus her devotion. Martha, in just the chapter before this, gave a, one of the best testimonies in the entire four Gospels of faith in Jesus. That was Mary's sister. Lazarus had died. This family knew that Jesus had a special connection to them. When you have a special connection to somebody, you have expectations. Let me, let me say it another way. I would guess if it wasn't before my two-and-a-half-year-old had his dad get in a car and go get a stick, that he expected that, he certainly did afterwards. Because <laughs> I conditioned him that I'd be willing to do something like that over a stick, right? Well, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, 
certainly expected Jesus. In fact, when Lazarus died, you remember how both sisters kind of chided Jesus when they saw him? If you had been here, our brother would not have died. We have expectations of our friendship of you, Jesus. Of course, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Martha's testimony before Lazarus was raised from the dead was this. I know you are the Christ who's come into the world, she said. And she said, I know that Lazarus will raise up on the last day. I know Christians who have forgotten that's the main message of Christianity. They think it's about church and being good and doing lots of other things and, 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 and about the community. But they've forgotten that the message of Christ is about personal redemption. That was the foundation, even though Martha and Mary had sadness, that was the foundation of their life. It had become real to them, but it hadn't yet been paid for. Imagine that the Savior that you've been believing in is your physical friend that you have been hanging out with, and he's been dining at your table and living the life with you. Imagine it's one of your best buds. He's going to die in just a few days. And you get it. You don't want to stop it because you believe him. You're not like Peter saying, this will never happen to you. You're saying, I know this has to happen to you. And I'm the reason. And I know you're going to rise again, but I know it's going to be horrible because of me. And my sins that are going to be put on you. And the father's rejection. All of that was in Mary's heart. There was a woman early in the life of Jesus. We don't know her name. Some people think it was another Mary named Mary Magdalene who came into the Simon the Pharisee's house and she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. She wiped and she poured perfume. I wonder if, I wonder, we don't know, but I wonder if that story, because it was part of Jesus' life and he was friends with Mary, was told to Mary. I wonder if Jesus told Mary about that and about the grace that he gave her. Remember what he said to the other lady, possibly Mary Magdalene? He said, your sins are forgiven and your faith has saved you. And he says to Simon, she loves much because she's forgiven much. But now we're not in Simon's home. We're in a Mary's home and she knows she's forgiven much. And she maybe knows that story. Regardless, she knows that Savior. Takes expensive perfume. But it's not just to say you're, you're a wonderful person and I want to make you smell nice. That would have been put on his head. But it's humbled at his feet. I am a sinful woman, just like the other woman who was a woman that was a, a prostitute at one time. I'm sinful, this Mary says. This is for your burial because you're going to die for me. All true fierce devotion is pro proclamatory. My wife said, you're really going to drive over there? And I said, I really am. And I really am going to take some criticism, but I'm proclaiming that. I, don't know. I didn't say it, the word proclaim at the time. But looking back, I was saying to her, I'm, I'm, care. I'm just going to do it. But now I'm proclaiming that that was a father's love. Mary's was proclamatory that she loved Jesus for who he was for her. Judas 
was not the only one that day that, that criticized. We have the benefit of having four Gospels. It says other disciples were feeling the same way. Judas even more so, but his was a charade because he liked the money. He probably parroted what they said. <laughs> care? She didn't care. Jesus also said these words. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. He said, I tell you, whatever the gospel, wherever the gospel is preached, remember I said her devotion was proclamatory? Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. you get much about from remembering Mary first? No. But if you remember her, you'll actually see why Jesus made sure the Holy Spirit preserved this story in all four Gospels. He wants us to see how important his devotion is to people. It's, it's fiercely personal. I want to take you back to... Um, the room where Martha chose in Luke chapter 10 to serve that day and not listen. Do you remember what Jesus told Martha when she wanted to criticize her sister? He didn't say, Martha, you have no faith. He just said, Martha, Mary chose the better part to sit and listen to me. When you race the clock forward to this same house, the same room, and now Martha is serving and she's, she is still spending time focusing on who Jesus is and what he's taught her since that first time, you actually see that Mary gets what the other disciples did not get, not because she saw Jesus physically, but because she saw him spiritually through the word he taught her. You see, side by side are 12 men that have had Jesus teaching them, even many times without Mary around. And yet, the physical Jesus is still in the way of the word of Jesus. But Mary, she got the word of Jesus in her heart. And she trusted that word that pierced to her soul that said, you are a sinful woman who needs a Savior, and I've come to redeem you. You see, this is the word of God. Dear friend, you are going to die. Maybe that's why something like the coronavirus makes us all so scared and nervous because it, it's that little 3% that we see at the end of the debate, right? 85% are going to be mild, 12% are going to be severe, and 3% are going to be death, right? And they said that last night on my 10 o'clock news, there were two deaths in Texas now confirmed. One was a 95-year-old man. And I told my wife this morning, well, he was 95. Something's going to take you. But what's on the backside of that? Is this virus going to get? Yeah, you are going to die because you're a sinner. And your only hope of escaping eternal death is Jesus in the room who came to be sacrificed for you to take away the punishment of, of, of hell for death. Do you get it? You're going to live forever. Do you have the foundation under your life that Martha had and Mary had when they talked to Jesus outside the grave of Lazarus? Yes, I know he's going to rise again at the end. I know his soul is going to survive forever because of you. 
It's personal. It's personal between you and Jesus. It's not about community and groups. It's about you and Jesus. And when it's about you and Jesus, and you know that you're redeemed by him, then you have a fiercely personal passion for him. And as it grows, the community around you becomes small, and the Jesus in your heart becomes big, and you just don't care what they think about your devotion. You become more and more visible, and more and more at peace, just being the devoted friend of Jesus, who knows that he's your best friend. I wonder if maybe what we need right now is to curtail how much news we watch or listen to or go through, thumbing through on our phone. I wonder if maybe what we need to do, we need to spend more time in the Gospels. What if you did this? What if your nard, your, your perfume for Jesus, was during this time that you might be sidelined from work or school, that you would read the four Gospels. You can listen to them. There's all kinds of Bibles, apps that you can get on your phone, and they'll read it to you in a beautiful British voice. that will make you listen. Just listen to the, the four Gospels. But if you got more time, why not do the whole New Testament? Why not do something different than just digesting the news and the recurring statistics Guess what? 100% of people are going to die from sin and death. But 100% of the people who trust in Christ are going to live forever. Why don't you get to know him even better? Maybe there's a hundred things in the Gospels that you haven't really noticed. Maybe you're someone who only has a Sunday school level knowledge of the Gospels. Maybe you've never read through the four Gospels. During Lent, during this time that we march to the Good Friday and the Easter, why not use this downtime to capture that and be like Mary, who in the room of her own house, just like you in your house, had Jesus sitting with her. And in your house, you can sit with Jesus. And when you come to worship with us from your house, you can sing to Jesus. You know, that kind of devotion that you'll get, it'll grow, will be humble. You won't be prideful saying, look at all I did for you, Lord. No, you'll be at his feet with your hair, your face down, but you'll be filled with appreciation and love. You won't be dejected. You'll just be honestly humble. But it will be infectious. Let me close with an, uh, uh, an illustration about how the devotion to Christ that is still told today, motivates us, and then we become more like Mary because we know Jesus the way she did. You know that son that had the stick? I went to see him and his family last week. They lived three hours away. Parents were at work. I got the kids all to myself. Grandparents loved that. Two boys. Had them all to myself. We went and had ice cream, and then we went and had McDonald's. I said, you can tell your parents, I don't care, I'm their dad. We had a great time, but we went to Tractor Supply, and they got lost running in and out of all the outside stuff at Tractor Supply while I was getting lost trying to find something. 
We left. My son, remember the one with the stick, who's now a dad? He came home from work, and I said, I forgot some things at Tractor Supply. I forgot to buy them. You want to go back? Sure, we'll go back. Well, both trips with Grandpa and Grandpa and Dad, the kids were mesmerized by the baby chickens that are there in the springtime. And the oldest one started working his dad over. I want some baby chicks. Dad, can I get some baby chicks? Uh, Maybe not right now. Grandpa's here. We're not going to get any baby chicks today. We went home. Five-mile drive without baby chicks. As I was pulling out of the drive, because I went home that night, three hours drive back home. I left at six o'clock in the evening. He was, my, bro, my son was on the phone with one of his friends who had some old chicken cages. He was talking to him about, can you, can you let me borrow one of them? His son wasn't listening, but my son was, my son was saying, because I want to see if my son could get some baby chicks. And the guy said on the other line, when do you need them? He goes, tonight would be good. I thought, oh, here we go. About an hour after leaving, uh, my son called and said, Dad, are you, on, you're, are you okay on your way home? Yep, doing fine. I go, did you get those baby chicks? He said, yep. We went back to Tractor Supply. It was the kid's third trip in one day. And I thought to myself, you remember that dad that drove across town five miles? Uh, you are your father's son. I was really happy. And I, I laughed talking about his devotion because I really don't care what you think. His son was so excited. He slept in the garage with the baby chicks all night long. An eight-year-old boy in a garage. Wow. Devotion is infectious. Jesus is perfectly and fiercely devoted to you. You are fiercely devoted to him. Do it unashamedly, and you'll change other people's lives the same way Mary changed ours. Because that woman really makes you think, doesn't she? 